their physical card. You can just wait. Hold on to it till the end of the service. There'll be people at the, uh, at the main entrances, welcome team members, who will be there to receive the, collection, the uh, connection cards as well as any physical offerings you might have. Um, so I'm in the middle of a, of a new series. It's Jesus 2022. It doesn't have anything to do with political campaigns or political platforms. It has everything to do with what's going to be the focus, what's going to be our focus in this new year. Now, we took a break from this series last week and were visited by Martin Luther King Jr. Um, so that is, that is something that we're going to do. So those of you who weren't here, Pastor Charles uh, gives a, it's like a dramatic reading of one of Martin Luther King's sermons. Uh, not one of his speeches, but one of his sermons, because he was a pastor and he preached lots of sermons. And so that's kind of an annual thing. We're going to do that every year. There's, he's got lots of sermons, and so this is like a tradition that we have. But here's the thing. You guys got to help me. So I was an actor back in the day, and so I understand the importance of wardrobe. And so I've been trying to tell Pastor Charles that, that Dr., Dr. King did not wear a black T-shirt. Like historically verifiable, did not. And so we got to help me, like wardrobe. We got to get a skinny black tie, all right? Now, I know Charles, you know, he's a wrestler, so he's got a neck the size of, you know, I don't know, whatever. But, but we'll, maybe we'll custom make a, like a button-up shirt or whatever we got to do to get this a little more historically accurate for next year. But uh, okay. But uh, anyway, so, so uh, Jesus 2022. Um, this new year, I, always, I, always, I think it's important for us to lean into the new year. And to really think like, okay, this is an opportunity for us to make some changes. Now, now, really, there's no difference between December 31st and January 1st. There's really no difference. But psychologically, there is a difference, right? There's something about turning that page or something about starting a new year that enables us to think about our life and think about where we are. It kind of becomes this moment where we can kind of assess where we are, where we're going, things that we want to change, what we did in the past, things we want to start doing that maybe we didn't do. And so I always do messages in January that can get us to be thinking about this. Get us to be asking these questions. How do we want the new year to be different? And so uh, our theme verse for this series is Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 to 14, where it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So how can you press on this year? What can you do differently to press on to win the prize that you didn't do maybe last year? What are some things that you did last year that you want to stop doing? What are some things that you didn't do that you want to start doing? And, uh, and, and, and so the question, what I want us to think about today is what does it really mean to follow Jesus? Like what is it really, like what are we talking about? When we're talking about following Jesus, what does that mean? Because if I was to do like a man-on-the-street interview and say, hey, what does it mean to follow Jesus? The answers would be all over the map, right? I mean, they'd be like, well, it means a, this politically or this, that, sociologically or whatever. Uh, it'd be all sorts of different answers. I have a feeling that if I was to poll all of us here in this room and those who are watching online, probably the window of different answers would shrink down a little bit. But I still think there'd be a lot of different answers about what does it mean? What does it mean to follow? We live in a world right now where it's really easy to follow. It's really easy to unfollow, right? You just click a button and you're following. You just un you click that button again and you're unfollowing. But, but what does it mean for us to really be a follower of Jesus? Now, 
That last song that we sang, I'd ask Grimaldi if we could do that because you know, that song because it tied into what I'm talking about today. I have decided to follow Jesus is a famous hymn. And that hymn uh, was kind of made famous in the Billy Graham Crusades. Billy Graham was the greatest evangelist of the 20th century. And uh, uh, he did, he preached the gospel all over the world, a hundred, he preached the gospel live, they estimate, to over 210 million people. Like over 210 million people in 185 different countries heard Billy Graham preaching the gospel live in stadiums, in these crusades all over. And then they would have, uh, you know, I remember when I was a kid growing up in Dumont on Channel 9. You guys remember Channel 9, W-O-R? They would have the, the, like every Sunday night, Billy Graham, there'd be a show with Billy Graham preaching. And I remember, you know, when I was a kid, my family would watch that. And so probably billions of people have heard Billy Graham, you know, whether in person or on TV. And, uh, and so at the end of every one of his crusades, he would give an invitation for people to follow Jesus. And, uh, and so they would be, sometimes they'd play the song, Just As I Am, but oftentimes they would do, I have decided to follow Jesus. And he'd call people to come forward to pray to receive Jesus. And so people would come, you know, really amazing. They'd come from all over, like the upper decks of the stadium, and it would take a while. So they would sing the song over and over again as people worked their way down to come in front of the stage. Now, the history of the song is really interesting. It was written, there's a book by this guy named P. Job, uh, and, uh, and, and he wrote a book, Why God, Why? And it actually, there's some, it kind of came out in some other places as well. There's kind of almost like a legend that went with this song, and, but I, I think it's, you know, somewhat verifiable. So, so about 130 years ago, there was something that happened in Wales called the Welsh Revival, where the Holy Spirit moved in a really powerful way, and people came to know Jesus, and people got revived, and, and there was this whole missionary movement that grew out of the Welsh Revival. And so a lot of, of Christians went to northern India to, to, to proclaim the gospel. And so, you know, northern India, it was kind of hard ground. It was, you know, people were, they were Hindus, and there were some villages and communities that were really close to the gospel. Uh, but there was this one village where this man and his family decided to follow Jesus. And so they became the first converts in this village. But then other people started to come to Jesus. And so all these people in this village start to follow Jesus. And the elders didn't like this, especially the the leader of the village didn't like this one bit. And so he said, we've got to stop this. We've got to nip this in the bud. So let's, let's deal with the first family that put their faith in Jesus. Let's make them an example, and then we can stop all of this nonsense. So they brought the guy and his family in front of the the elders of the town. The whole town came out for this. And they said to this man, they said, listen, either you deny Jesus right now and stop this Christian nonsense, or we're going to kill you and your whole family. And so What people say, he said, and this became something that was repeated all throughout India, and it became this kind of rallying cry, is when they they gave him this choice, he said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And then they shot his kids with arrows and killed his kids right in front of him. And they said, well, what about now? Will you renounce now? And he said, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Then they killed his wife. And so then his response to that, you know, according to what people said and the stories that kind of went around, what he said to that was, was uh, the world behind me, the cross before me. 
no turning back, no turning back. And then what Pete, what Pete Job says in his book is that the, the, the leader of the village and everybody, they were so stunned by this man's faith that they ended up saying there has to be something to this Jesus person. And so they gave their, they became followers of Jesus and the whole village became followers of Jesus. And so that's, that's the story of that song. And there's so many of these old hymns that we sing that there's these remarkable stories that are, that are behind them. And, and so, so do we understand the cost of what it means to follow Jesus, right? Because for millions of people around the world now and, you know, all throughout history, the cost of following Jesus was what that man, you know, and his family paid in northern India. But for us, when we talk about the price of following Jesus, you know, it's, it's really kind of different here in the U.S. We don't have to pay this kind of a cost. We have to pay the cost of like, oh, well, you know, people don't really think I'm cool because I'm a Christian or, or people make false assumptions about me and what I believe or, or my thinking is out of step with popular culture and Hollywood makes fun of me. But, but what does it really mean to follow Jesus? And so I want, us to, I want us to really think about that. I want us to kind of, as we go into 2022, we call ourselves followers of Jesus. What does that mean? And so the best way for us to answer that question or to investigate that question, question is to look at what Jesus said about it. And so there's a passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 38. This is a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. It was such an important conversation that it ended up in three of the Gospels. It ended up in Matthew, it ended up in Mark, it ended up in Luke. Mark always gives us kind of the bare bones. Like, he doesn't give us a lot of details. It's kind of just the facts. It's a very streamlined Gospel. The other Gospels give some more details about this conversation. But all of the, you know, main facts of this conversation all line up. So, so uh, starting at verse 27, it says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So before I read the rest of that passage, let me just talk about, about this part of it. So they're in Caesarea Philippi. I think the reason they went up to Caesarea Philippi, which is northern Israel, was because like Jesus was doing miracles and there were crowds and there was, uh, you know, people were pressing in on him. So I think Jesus is like road trip. You know, let's go up to northern Israel where people haven't heard about me and it's a little bit quieter. So we can do some disciple. I can teach you guys and we can kind of get some R&R. So Caesarea Philippi was a very interesting location, had a lot of history. So Alexander the Great actually founded that little town or that, that, that part of Israel uh, about 350 years before Jesus was there, named it after the Roman god Pan. But then a couple hundred years later, now the Romans were in charge, and, and so Herod Philip was the kind of puppet king that the Romans had installed. And so, so then it was named after Herod Philip for a while. And, and then Herod Philip, or you know, the, the current Herod, was like, let's honor Caesar. And so they decided to change the name to honor Caesar. So that's why it was Caesarea Philippi. 
And so I'm here to help you the next time you're playing Jeopardy. I've got all sorts of stuff that can help you that really score well and make some money. Um, but, but what's interesting about that, though, is that because it had such a history, uh, they probably were standing in, like, temple ruins. There probably were, like, broken-down altars to other gods that were there because it had such a history and different gods were worshipped, you know, all throughout the centuries. And so in this place, Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And so their answer was, well, some people think you're John the Baptist, because John the Baptist was this prophet, he was this big deal, everybody knew about him, and then Herod killed him. So people think you're John the Baptist back from the dead. Other people think you're Elijah. Now Elijah was one, you know, Moses and Elijah were the two bigwigs of the Old Testament, right? And so Elijah was a miracle worker. And so maybe they thought, you know, you're doing a lot of miracles, and so maybe people, people think you're Elijah come back to life, or you're one of the prophets. But in other words, what they're saying is, hey, Jesus, everybody agrees that you're a really big deal. Like, people think you're a really big deal. People think you're like, I don't know who, you know, maybe you're, you're John the Baptist, maybe you're Elijah, maybe you're, maybe you're Moses. I mean, we don't know, but you're a big deal. And so then Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? And so that's where Peter, you know, Mark gives us the abbreviated answers, you are the Messiah. But Matthew and Luke tells us the longer version, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? You are the Christ, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And so Jesus commends Peter, and he says, good job, Peter. You didn't come up with that on your own. The Holy Spirit told you that. But then what Jesus did is he started to say to the disciples, this is where it's interesting, getting back into what does it mean for us to follow Jesus? He says, listen, guys, you, you figured out who I am. We're going to keep that under wraps for a little bit longer because if things are out of hand with so many crowds and people following and pressing in, imagine how they're going to be once they begin to know that I'm the Messiah. Uh, so let's, don't tell anybody yet. But, you, but things are going to work out differently than you think because you think now that I'm the Messiah, everything's going to be up only. Everything's going to be up and to the right. I'm just going to get more popular. There's going to be more people following. And then eventually Herod's going to say, wow, you're the rightful ruler. You take the throne. And then we're going to kick out the Romans. And somebody's going to sit to my right. Someone's going to sit to my left. It's going to be great. But he says, it's not going to be like that. That's not how this is going to go. Your perceptions of this is all wrong. I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to be rejected. I'm actually going to be killed. But don't worry. After I'm killed, I'm going to rise from the dead. And so it says that Jesus told them this plainly. I mean, it's interesting. There's a couple times in the gospel where it really makes it clear that Jesus was like, all right, disciples, look at my eyes. I'm going to die. But then three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And it makes you wonder, like, why weren't they, like, outside of the tomb on Easter Sunday morning, right? Like, doing a countdown, like, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, Jesus, you know? But, but they weren't because there was, you know, they just couldn't hear it. It was so different from what they expected. And so you see that in Peter's response. He pulls Jesus aside. And he's like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, we got a good thing going on here. Everybody, like, you're, you're like a big deal. You start talking about persecution and death and all this other stuff. Like, this isn't going to work out. Like, your poll numbers are really high right now, but this is going to tank them. Like, what are you doing? And it's really funny. I mean, Peter is just like, he, he pulls him aside. He's like, Jesus, let's come, come, come here. We, we gotta, we gotta, I gotta set you straight. Like, and so Jesus' response is kind of funny. It says here in Mark that he, he looks at the other disciples and he says, get behind me. And actually the Greek in that is more like, Peter, get back in line. Like that's really what he's saying. He's like, 
who, who do you think you are exactly, Peter? You know, I, you just did a good thing. You said I was the Messiah, but I think it's gone to your head a little bit now. Get, get back with the other disciples. You know, you're not the boss of me. And then, it, and then you know, because the, the word that Peter used when it says you rebukes him is a strong word, right? It's, it's the word that Jesus, the same exact word when Jesus would cast demons out of people. He'd rebuke the spirit. So it was like, you know, Peter, what, what exactly are you doing? And then Jesus says, you know what? Get behind me, Satan which Satan means, you know, adversary or opposition. So he's like, listen, Peter, this is way above your pay grade. You don't understand what I'm really doing here. You don't understand. You don't see the big picture. You're getting in the way now. And so you need to like kind of sit down and shut up and just listen for a little while because you don't understand the plan. And so then it goes on. If you look at verse 34, he sees this as as an opportunity to kind of, you know, teach something. To really kind of set set the disciples straight on something. So verse 34, it says, He called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, All right, teachable moment. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And so he said, all right, guys, listen, you need to understand something. Like, you've got to understand that if you're going to follow me, right, I just told you, my path isn't going to be up only. My path is going to involve rejection and betrayal and death. But then there's going to be resurrection. And what you need to know is that if you're going to follow me, it's going to be the same thing. There's going to be rejection. There's going to be persecution. There might even be death. But then there's also resurrection. And so what he said was, you have to take up your cross and follow me. Now, we, we, we hear that. Even if you don't come to church a lot, you're probably familiar with that phrase. You know, people will say, oh, that's the cross I have to bear. And they mean their mother-in-law. And it's not, that's not exactly, no, that's not exactly the context of what Jesus is talking about here. But, uh, but, but they, the disciples, you know what, they, they heard it a certain way. Like we hear, we know Jesus died on the cross, but we hear cross and just like emotionally, we think jewelry. Right? I mean, seriously, like we think like pretty necklaces that people wear. Or we think really ornate decorations that are part of a church and there's gold, you know, gold-plated crosses or something like that. That's not how the disciples heard it. What the disciples heard was they, they knew, they saw people carrying their cross through the streets of Jerusalem on the way to their death. They went by roads that were, you know, lined with people dying on a cross. They knew that a cross was a place of execution. They knew that a cross was the most ignoble, terrible death that a person could experience. And Jesus said, if you're going to be my follower, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to take up your cross. And follow me. Now, if Peter hadn't been so severely rebuked, he would have been like, wait, whoa, Jesus, wait, hold on. What do you do? What do you mean? Now you're going to lose everybody. But what Jesus said is, he, you know, you don't understand my kingdom. Because if you, look at, if you look at this call to follow, if you look at this call to discipleship, and you say, you know what? Taking up my cross and sacrificing and persecution and difficulty, I don't want to do that. I'm going to save my life. 
I'm going to preserve my life. Jesus says what you're actually doing, but you think you're preserving your life, but you're losing your life. And if you actually embrace the cross and you say, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to follow him no matter what. You know, the, 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 cross, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. If you say that, there will be times when it looks like you're losing your life. There will be times like it looks like, you know what, you're taking this road, you're taking these challenges, you're taking these difficulties. But remember, at the end of that road is a resurrection. And even though it may feel at times like you're losing your life, actually what you're doing is you're finding your life. You're finding the life of the kingdom. You're finding eternal life. You're finding, the Bible says, that, that, that the, the, the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. So there's a death in one way, but there's a life in another way because you're finding a life that you can't find anywhere else. And so following Jesus makes it really clear. And he says, if you're going to follow me, there's going to be a death. You're going to have to pick up your cross. And if you're ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you. I mean, he really lays it all on the line. And so what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us as individuals? What does this mean for us as a church? Now, we're kind of an, we're an interesting church, right? We're, we're kind of a big church. Though, you know, it's kind of hard to kind of get our, get our hands around that, you know, or after the last couple of years. But before the pandemic, we would have some Sundays where we'd have over 900 people who would be in church, and we would kind of grow in a lot, and probably have about 1,300, 1,400 different people who consider this their home church. Though now, like, something that me and all my pastor friends, like we say, is like, we have no idea who comes to our church anymore. It's like so hard to know who's online, who's here, what's going on, what's the deal. But, uh, but not only do we have a lot of people in the church— We have people who are coming from all over the map. We have people who are coming from a lot of different backgrounds. And part of what that means is we have people who are coming in different kind of places in their followership. Is that a word? I don't know. I might have just made up a word. But you guys know what I mean. I'll use it again. Followership. Right? People who are coming in different places. And so, and so how, do we, how do we help people kind of figure out where they are and encourage them to take the next step? Because we're all at a different place. You know, we all have, have different things going on in our lives, and we're at different places in the following scale. And in Luke 9.23, this is the, the same account, the same conversation that we've been talking about in Mark. Luke adds one little word. One little detail that Jesus said, and I think it actually makes a big difference. Luke 9, 23, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Take up their cross daily. So that means that we are to be increasing our following on a daily basis. And so what is it that you can do? Like, where are you and where do you need to be? What can you do to increase your following? What's the next step that God has for you? Because every single one of us, God has a next step for each and every one of us. God is calling all of us, calling us further on. You know, one of the things that happens, and you know, if you've been a Christian for a while, is you get stuck, right? You kind of get like the Israelites, just kind of wandering around the wilderness, and you feel like you're not going anywhere. The reason, if your Christianity, if you, if you kind of felt like in 2021 that your Christianity was kind of stale and wasn't going anywhere, it's because you stopped following. 
It's because you stop picking up your cross daily and following him. You stop taking that next step of followership. And there's so much at stake in this. It's so important for us because remember what Jesus said. If you want to find real life, we talk all the time here about the abundant life that God, you know, is going to like gives us a purpose and he fills us with his love and he gives us joy and he gives us strength and he gives us provision. But all of that is connected to us taking those steps. If we, if we lose our life, then we're going to find it. If we lose, if we make those steps, if we take those steps of discipleship, we come in to a greater expression of the life of the kingdom. And so one of the ways that, that I've thought about this and something that I found really helpful as I lead this church, let me go ahead and put that next slide up, is this, this image, this way to think about all the different types of people who come to our church. And so we're all somewhere in this. And so, the, you know, first it starts with the community and the community that's talking about people who are kind of out there, people who aren't connected to our church yet. That's people we're trying to reach, we're trying to minister to, we're trying to love. But then you've got the crowd. And so now you're starting to talk about people who are connected to the church in some way. And so the crowd, the invitation for each of these things, go to the next slide, the crowd is come and see. The invitation is come and see. So I, I want to I talk through this for just a couple minutes because I want you to think about where you are And I want you to think about the next step that Jesus has for you. So if you're in the crowd, that means that you maybe you started coming to the vineyard at some point. You you know, maybe it was after, you know, the couple years of the pandemic and you just felt like kind of spiritually empty and you're like, I need something more in my life. And so maybe you did a Google search and you found the church and you come, you came and you've been visiting, you've been checking it out. And so the invitation is come and see, you know, maybe you're here with your parents And it's your parents' faith, and you're kind of wondering if it's your faith. Well, the invitation is come and see. Maybe you're here with your spouse, and it's their faith, but you're wondering if it's their faith. You know, if it's your faith, the invitation is come and see. Jesus said this to his disciples, right? He said over and over as he called them, he said, come and see. Like, it's it's great that some of you are in the place right now where you're just kind of checking things out. And that's, that's great. We, you know, we know that every single week we have people who are just kind of checking things out. And you are so welcome to be here. And we see this as such an important part of the journey. And it's, it's come and see. The great thing, though, about that come and see moment is that, you know, if you're in that place where you're asking God to sh- reveal himself to you and show you if he's real, he, when he did this for his disciples, he would regularly do things for them like fill up their, their boats with fish. You know, I mean, there'd be some extraordinary things he would do to get, to get people's attention. And so, you know what? You can ask God just to say, God, if you're real and if you're there and if there's something for me here, I really want to know. So reveal yourself to me. Come and see. The second, the second kind of step in is, is the, uh, the congregation. And so the invitation for the congregation is come and join us. Come and join us. So at some point, right, so if, you, if you're coming and seeing and you're getting connected and you want to experience the life that Jesus has, the abundant life that he has, at some point you got to say, I want to do more than just come to church like once a month or maybe, you know, watch the stream, the live stream every now and then. I want to do more than just kind of watch the back of people's heads. I really, I want to get connected. I want to, I want to be a part of things. And so maybe you go to the growth track. And we, you know, the reason that we do the growth track every single, every single week, we do the growth track because we want to make it easy for people to make, take that next step. 
Maybe for you, it's like really important, come and join us, that you join a life group, that you get connected. We're starting, the reason that we do life groups in semesters, and then we take a month off, and then we start again, is that makes it easier for people to make the decision to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join a life group this semester. Listen, if you're, let me just say this, if you're a young adult, and that, you know, in your 20s and, you know, early 30s, I would encourage you, come here when life groups start in a couple weeks. Come here on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock because we've got four uh, what we call adulting groups, which is people who are in your age group, and they meet together, and then, they, and then they have separate meetings, and it's an opportunity for you to get to know some people your own age and, and kind of get connected. The third part is, is the committed, <clears throat> and the invitation for the committed is come and grow. And maybe <clears throat> if you're part of the committed... Or you're responding to that invitation. You're saying, you know what? I I get that salvation is just the beginning. And I want to really grow in my faith. I don't want to just kind of keep going around the same mountain again and again and again. I want to grow. I want to get to know Jesus more. And so I want to start reading the Bible. So we have, you can go to our app and we've got uh, a Bible reading plan where you can read a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament every day, read through the Bible in a year. Maybe you participate in something like, like 21 Days of Prayer, which we just finished, and say, I'm going to do that because I want to get into the habit of praying. One of the things that, uh, that we can help you with here at the church, something that's a really important thing to us, is we want to teach you how to do the stuff that Jesus did. That's an expression in the vineyard is doing the stuff. And it comes from like doing the stuff that Jesus did. That we can learn how to pray for the sick and see sick people healed. We can learn how to hear God's voice. We can learn how to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a very important part of becoming a disciple. And so if you want to learn how to do that, let me invite you to come to a life group that, that I'm going to be leading and Don and Susa Holster and Patricia Ashby, where it's called Doing the Stuff, Tuesday nights here at the church. And we're going to, te- we're going to talk about, we're going to teach about the kingdom of God and how to pray for the sick, but we're also going to do it. We're going to have an opportunity to really learn together how to do it. So you get to a point where you just say, you know what, I don't want to just kind of hear, I want to really grow. I really want to grow. I want to grow in my faith. And then, the, and then the next step is the core. And that's an invitation to come and serve. It's an invitation to say, like, you know what? Okay, I want to I be a part, and I want to I be connected, and I want to grow, but I also want to serve. And so we've got all sorts of, you know, we've got all sorts of opportunities for people to serve. You know, one of the reasons that I always wanted to start a community center is not just for all of the people that we're able to feed, and we just started ESL this past weekend, and we've got some other things that are going to be going on. One of the reasons I think it's so important for us to have a community center, and what I'm so excited about, is that it gives you opportunities to take that next step, to take a step of discipleship, to take a step of saying, I want serving to be a part of my life. I don't want to be someone who's just a consumer. I want to give back. I want to look for an opportunity to serve, right? Jesus made it really clear that he came to serve, and as his followers, we're called to serve as well, that the greatest among us is the servant of all. And then there's another, there's a final category, and that's the commissioned. And that's something I think that affects every single one of us. The commission, the invitation is come and die. The invitation is come and die, and it's like, you know what, I'm not just going to give you a Saturday here or a Tuesday night here. I want my whole life to be a living sacrifice. 
Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so you kind of, you, we get to this point and we say, and this is something, you know, every day, we say, you know what, like Galatians 2.20, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. And I, I live, but it's not me. It's Christ living inside of me. Or like it says in Corinthians, that we've been bought with a price, that we're not our own. And that we say, Lord, I want to I wanna take that step. And I want my entire life, I want to see every part of my life as an opportunity to serve and glorify you. And so go ahead and put that, put that graphic back up. Because you are somewhere on this path. Right? I mean, every single one of us, we're, we're somewhere in this. And so I want you to think, what is the next step that God has for you? What is the next step that he has for you? You know, because you're somewhere from, from no commitment to total commitment. From someone who's just kind of a consumer of religious goods and services to someone who says, hey, I want to contribute. Someone who kind of knows him as Savior, kind of like in case of emergency, break glass. And someone who really knows him as Lord and says, I want to, you are my Lord and I'm going to serve you and I want my life to be about knowing you and I'm going to take up my cross daily, you know, and though none go with me, still I will follow. And you see, my job as a pastor is to make that path really clear. Because one of the, the word for pastor is the word shepherd. And what a shepherd does is he makes the path really clear. And so as we've kind of designed our church and set things up so that it could be really easy for you to say, okay, I want to continue to grow. I want to take up my cross. I want to take that next step. That we're able to kind of welcome wherever you're at, wherever you, whatever your starting point is, you are welcome. We love you. We're so glad you're here. And then together, we're going to try to figure out what our next step is. And so let me just say this. The, just the last thing that I want to say as we think about 2022. So... So after you become a Christian, after you decide to follow Jesus, according to the Bible, it's very clear. The first step is that you decide to be water baptized. So it says this in Acts 2, verse 41. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And so for 2,000 years, the way that people have shown that they're following Jesus is through baptism. And it was, you know, some churches have it so that you've got to go through all these classes, and then once you go through all these classes, then you can be baptized. You know, they kind of treat it like baptism is graduation day. We don't see it that way. We, we see baptism more as the first day of school. And so we just kind of make it real easy, like, hey, if you're following Jesus and you're on this journey, we, we'd love for you to be baptized. And so we've got a baptism that's coming up on Sunday, March 6th. And so for some of you, if you haven't been water baptized— can make it real easy. A very important step for you to take in 2022 is to be water baptized, right? Maybe that you're kind of new to this. You're in that come and see moment, and you've just realized, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna, I want to follow Jesus. I've seen enough, and I'm going to follow him. And so then you can sign up to be baptized on March 6th. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, and you've taken other steps, but for some reason you've never been water baptized. It's okay to kind of back up a little bit and say, you know what, I wanna, I'm going to go back. I want to I get this right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and in 2022 I'm going to be baptized. Maybe there was a period in your life where you were following Jesus really closely and you were picking up that cross and you were every day trying to follow him. But over the last couple of years you've kind of wandered away from that. 
And maybe you've been baptized before, but you say, I want 2022 to be different. And so it would be fine if you wanted to be baptized again, if that meant something to you, that you were like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going for it this year, and I really want to be all in, all in with Jesus. And let me just real quick give you three reasons, three encouragements to be baptized if you haven't been baptized before. The first is to follow the example of Christ. Mark 1.9, at that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And so we're following Jesus, right? And so if Jesus was baptized, we're baptized. The second is to demonstrate your changed life. What, what I love, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of baptizing probably over a thousand people. And I, it just, it's, it's always my favorite day of the year when we're baptizing people. Because it's such a powerful image. The, the word bautismo, it means to fully immerse, right? And so when somebody goes into the water, the imagery is that, they're, that, that represents that they're, they've died with Christ. And as they come out of the water, it represents that they've been raised to new life. And I'll tell you, there's so many times when I'm there, you know, and baptizing and ducking people, you can just feel the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and that something so deep and so profound is happening in someone's heart. Romans 6.4 says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And the third reason I want to encourage you to be baptized on March 6th is to declare your commitment publicly. Declare your commitment publicly. Matthew 10, 32 says, Jesus said, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. See, the world wants you to think that your faith should be private, but that's not how Jesus talked about faith. right? Jesus said that we're a city set on a hill. He said that we're not to take our light and put a basket over it. We're to put it high so people can see it. And so for 2,000 years, one of the ways that people have demonstrated, have publicly declared that they were a follower of Jesus is through baptism. And so I want to encourage you. There is something, there's something really powerful. Something, if you haven't done it yet, if you haven't taken that step, and again, I've just seen through the years that something, that taking that public step you know, and saying, I'm in, I'm following Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. That it really does something in your heart and helps you get to that place of saying, no turning back, no turning back. And so if you haven't been baptized yet, I want to encourage you on your connection card, check off that, that you want to be baptized on March 6th. And we'll, we'll start, you know, emailing back and forth. And you might have some questions and I'll send you some videos and we can kind of go from there. But I want, I want all of us, as we think about 2022 and we throw these words around, yes, we're following Jesus and we sing these songs, I want you to really think, how are you doing as a follower? Like really ask yourself, would you say that in 2021 that you took any kind of, you know, intentional steps to increase your followership? Or would you say that, you know what, I think I'm in about exactly the same boat I was in in 2022 as, as I was in 2021. Maybe some of you might say, you know what, I think I've kind of backed up a little bit. I think I've kind of, you know, kind of fell backwards a little bit. And so I just want to encourage you that you just ask Jesus right now as we look at, you know, look at that graph and you think about all the different kind of invitations. 
You know, is it come and join? Is it come and serve? Is it come and grow? Is it come and die? What is God saying to you right now? And what's something that you can do in your life right now that can make a difference, that can be something that's substantively different in 2022 than in 2021? Because the promise, the promise that Jesus gives is that if we lose our life, if we pick up our cross, we take those steps. If we lose our life, we really find it. We find real life. We find eternal life. We find abundant life. Okay, let's all stand together. And you know, we're not, uh, at least for the, for the rest of January, for this week and next week, we're not, you know, doing prayer ministry. And you notice we don't have bagels, we don't have coffee. We're, we're hoping that, that in February 6th that we'll be able to resume all of that and uh, have prayer ministry again and have bagels and coffee. Because and, uh, it seems like, you know, we've been responding to this Omicron surge and it seems like as fast as it surged in, it's kind of surging out. And so we're, we're hoping that that's, that's the case. So what, what I want to do this morning is just give, an, give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak to you. All right, so let's, let's pray. Just close your eyes. And Lord, I thank you, God, that you have called each and every one of us to follow you. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts right now. Lord, what does it mean for us to take that next step? What does it mean for us to increase our discipleship, to, to pick up our cross daily? Lord, I just, God, I thank you that, that you came to give us life, to give us abundant life. Lord, you came to give us purpose, to give us meaning, to give us strength, to give us joy, to give us hope, to give us love. And so, Lord, I pray that we would just respond to your invitation. And maybe some of you right now, listen, maybe kind of what's been going on in your life is that you really have been drifting from God. Like there was a time in your life where following him was, was your main priority, and there was a joy and there was an excitement. But if you're honest, you've just been kind of drifting. And so maybe this is a time, this is a moment for you to say, God, I'm all in again. I want to give you my life. I, I, I want to follow you. I want to make you the priority of my life. I want to put you in the center of my life. Maybe you were kind of, you know, thinking maybe the world has something for me. Maybe there's something else. But, but you're here this morning and you're like, no, I, I know, Jesus, that you're it. I know that you're life. I know that you're hope. I know that you're peace. And so, God, I, I, I recommit my life. I recommit my heart to you. I think some of you, that's what you need to do. There's been like, I just have this picture. There's just been like cobwebs that have grown up in your heart. There, you know, the flame, there's still a little light, but it's pretty dim. And you just need to, to re-up right now. And you need to say, Jesus, I am deciding again to follow you. I'm all in, God. I'm all in for 2022, Lord. I want you. I don't want to drift. I don't want to be distracted. I want you. And I just feel like there's some people, there's some people, right, that's where you're at right now. And God is just wanting to deal with your heart. 
and is wanting to kind of light the fire again. Because there was a time, there was a moment when you saw the beauty of following Jesus. You saw the beauty of taking up your cross. And you still know it's beautiful. You still know it's what you want. But you just need to make, you just got to kind of get back into it. It just starts with that commitment in your heart saying, Lord, forgive me. And I'm all in. I'm yours. I have decided once again to follow Jesus. And maybe some of you this morning, you're in the, that come and see category. And you've just been kind of coming and you've been checking it out. But if you are really seeing that, okay, there is something, there's something to Jesus. There's something real here. Maybe there's been some ways that your boat's been filled with fish. You know, there's just been some ways that God's gotten your attention. And you're ready to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm going all, I'm, I'm going to give him my life. I'm ready to do it. That you've, you, you know, you've been kind of checking it out, but you've seen enough. And now you know that there's something here. And you're ready to give your life to Jesus. I want you to just say this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. You can just say it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I want to follow you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross in my place and rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive all of my sins. I accept your free gift of salvation. And from here on out, I want to follow you. Teach me what it means to pick up my cross daily to follow you. Just keep your eyes closed, but do me a favor. If you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you prayed to, to follow Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. On your connection card, on the back, you can check off that you decided to become a follower of Jesus, or you can text follow to 201-584-7188. And if you go ahead and, and do either of those two things, I'm going to send you some stuff in the mail this week, an email, and, and just kind of help you figure out what your next step is. All right? Because this is where really it all starts with that first step of deciding to follow Jesus. God bless you guys. It feels weird not calling you guys up for prayer ministry, but we'll get back to that soon. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.